this is going to be an awesome uh, podcast today. What's going on? It's JR on JR Off Air. And I got a comedian that I have admired for a while. And I've had a chance to get to know a little bit and hang out with a little bit. And uh, couldn't be more humble. Couldn't be more fun uh, and hilarious at the same time. He's the co-host of the Fighter and the Kid podcast. Been on a bunch of other podcasts. Absolutely crushed it. He has uh, Netflix. He has Amazon specials, uh, comedy specials. And um, if you ever rent his uh, man class um, one on Apple is fantastic or wherever you buy uh, your comedy albums. His name is Brian Callen and he's on the show today. How's that? Am I good? Am I centered? Am I good right now? Unbelievable, man. You got a shirt. You're not mad at my, my skin tone. You're not mad at the fact that I'm, I got tight skin at 54. Don't be mad at any of this shit, dude. I'm not mad at any of this, man. I'm just glad that you're on this. I think it's super cool that you're doing this for me. I appreciate you. You're one of the guys that told me to do a podcast, so it's happening. You're a funny guy, man. I'm telling you, I, you're, you're, we've stayed in touch a long time, dude. Yeah. Since San Diego, I think we got like some good wine after one of your shows in uh, the American yeah. Comedy Club or whatever. And here we yeah, go. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Uh, now, now you, the other day you said to me, last time I saw you, you were like, I got to get in shape. I've been drinking too much. Mm. And now you look, your eyes look clear. Your heart yeah. looks full. Your back looks straight. The back is unbelievable. It's not just straight. It's like, you know, as you would say, it looks like a barrel of snakes. If I wanted to build a housing complex somewhere, your back would be one of the options. Put it's it this way. If I'm in front of Home Depot and you're looking yeah. for some day laborers, I got my yeah. shirt off and I'm facing away from you. You go, that's my guy. God damn. If I see your back and I go, you guys want to see, you guys want to see what authority looks like. You want to see what authority looks like. You want to see what, what the hammer of the gods looks like. And I just point to your back. There it is right there, man. That's pretty much all I got going for me though. I could kind of build the back the chest a little bit. Legs never grow, man. I, I, I lifted legs. Is that true? Lifted legs yesterday and I'm strong. Like I can do, you know, I don't do anything to my back's all messed up from baseball and stuff like that. But I, I, uh, I'll do like just machine squats, four plates on each side. I'm good. I feel like that's pretty good. And then I just, they won't grow. They won't grow. You're, you're a thick kid. You're a thick, you're a big, strong, you look like a big, strong Norwegian, you know, <laughs> like a farm boy. What, what, what do you, if you didn't lift weights and you were just walking around, what would you weigh? What's your frame carry naturally? Well, I think before I, oh, man, I guess, I think probably like two, two thirty-five. That's a lot. That's a big kid. Yeah, I'm about two. I'm about two thirty right now. But I got to get a, my, that's I gotta a big get my kid. diet I, right. I, I lift weights and everything else, and I, I walk around at at one seven zero. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. If I if I wanted to fight in the UFC, I'd have to contemplate. I'd have to fight at forty-five. Right. I'd be a tall forty-fiver. Not even anymore. I'd be like a regular forty-fiver. Well, it's so. crazy to think about like those guys like Conor McGregor. What do you think he walks around at? Well, Conor walks around at 170. He's not a big guy. He's not a big guy. Maybe 165, 170. Yeah. But, 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 um, but there are guys like uh, who, when you see certain guys that fight at 55, like Khabib, Khabib, Khabib will, will walk at 195. Really? Maybe that much 200 weight. something. Yeah, he's that thick. Not tall, but that thick. Or, or if you see like, um, I stood next to Neil Magny in a locker room. He fights at 170. He was so, so much bigger than me. And I was like, how the fuck do you get down to 70? And he goes, I get down 70 for about five seconds. His <laughs> frame is just so much bigger than mine. If you saw us standing there and we had to fight, you'd be like, wait a minute, that guy's in a totally different weight class than he is. So no. some of those guys can suck crazy weight. Before I get into some other fighters, how did you get so into the UFC? I mean, now UFC, everybody's into a pay-per-view and all that, but I feel like you have been since the kind of the genesis of it. Yeah, because I'm a fucking insecure because I always wanted to be tough. So I was always obsessed with fighting. If I was built like you, I never would have worried about it. The biggest mistake I ever made was trying to be something I'm not. This is a very important thing for young people to understand. For me, I, I was, masculinity was defined for me probably through my culture and through my upbringing and in, in one regard, which was, can you punch somebody in the face and can you defend yourself against the schoolyard bully? Right. You know, the, the, um, football, can you, can you, are you a great wide receiver? Can you put whatever it was, you know, Americans have, <clears throat> it, it's sort of a, maybe a lot of cultures when you're a man, you are raised to, 
understand that you have to be the front line of defense for your family, for the women in your family. You have to be, uh, you have to be strong. You have to be ready for come what may. And a lot of that's not bad. I mean, a lot of that is sort of the, the nature of the beast. And, and right. you don't want to be a guy who, I never wanted to be a guy who, if I was with my girlfriend in a bar and some dude was rude to her, I never wanted to be a guy who had to walk away. Right. Like, I, the, for me, the, maybe that's why I became a wrestler and all that. For me, I always wanted to at least be a guy who, even if I wasn't so big, I'd keep you busy. I was, <laughs> I was, I was, you might be me, but I'm coming. Right. And you're going to remember me. You know what right. I mean? At least that, that was important to me. And yeah, of course, as you get older, you realize, talk about spending a lot of time on, on shit that's never going to happen. My strength was always avoidance. I have emotional intelligence. And so I was always able to kind of see where the problem was and either, you know, make the guy feel safe or just not get involved in that. Right. And the good news for me was I was never a threat. I walk in at 170 or whatever I was. And the guys, the big tough guys are not looking at me. They're like, get the fuck out of here. You know, it was always <laughs> the, so, so, so I should have spent my time being a dancer and a singer and a music player. I'm not kidding. That's I should awesome. have spent all my time thinking only of art and artistic <laughs> expression, you know, as not just a comedian, but the other things that informs your, inform your comedy. But no, what did I do? I was in jujitsu class. I, was, I, I loved wrestling. Wrestling changed my DNA. It was a great sport. I'm always like, I should have gone to college and wrestled, and I did, and then I was like, oh, my back hurts. And then I got into kickboxing and all that shit. Well, yeah. okay, cool, I guess. I guess, you know, I, you know but, but it, it's not worth what it would be. I should have been spending the time learning to become fluent on the piano. That's what I was doing. That's what my mom had me in was doing piano. I wasn't fluent. Is on that it. true? Yeah. I started playing piano as a young kid and it was kind of a, it was a gift. My mom did it for my grandmother because my grandmother was very into that. And then my mom was like, you need to take it as well. And I remember playing as a young kid, hating it because I wanted to be outside and I was so hyperactive and all that. And, but it was such a big thing to her that I did that for, you know, a certain amount of time and could play pretty well, learn classical stuff and could pick out some songs that I liked that I wanted to play. But, uh, I mean, but I never trained. I never, I didn't even wrestled, man. I played sports. I played basketball. And, um, you know, my dad growing up told me, and my dad walked around at 125 when he was a kid. Like he could never put on weight, skin and bones. And I kind of was yeah. like that for a while too. He told me, he goes, if you ever get in a fight, he goes, strike first and make sure you get their nose so they can see some blood. Cause that'll panic a guy. <laughs> That's what he told me. <laughs> Cause a lot of guys don't know what it's like to get hit in the face till they get hit in the face. People That's think true, they dude. know. People think they know. They it's like, oh man, you got no idea what it's like to get cracked in the. In the that, that's the one thing I will say. I know exactly what it's like to get hit in the face. Right. And that was that was that. If anything, taught me a lot of respect. I'm very right. respectful. I know what it's like to have another man impose their will on you, and I also <laughs> know what it's like to understand a little bit about how to fight and then have a guy do whatever they want to. You know. Yeah. That's an important thing to understand where you are in the physical pecking order. But if I had a kid like you who was kind of big and strong, I would have pushed him towards sports too. Yeah. Can you tell the story? I know you've told this before. Can you tell the story about the acting class you were in in New York City where the guy didn't realize what having uh, another grown man's will be, you know, like oh, forced on somebody? What, what, I, I think it was your acting that. teacher that said something pretty interesting to him. Yeah, that's interesting. I remember there was a kid in my class who was... Um, uh, you know, ambitious and, and probably enacting for the wrong reasons, not his fault. He was just, he wanted to be a star and, you know, and he, he wasn't probably, you know, it's one of those kids who probably, I'll never run punts back in the NFL and he's never going to be an actor kind of thing. Yeah. You know, he was, yeah. you know, um, and I remember he, there was another big guy who was just built like you. He's kind of a big Norwegian guy, big, naturally big. And this guy was built a little bit like me, you know? And, um, and this kid was a ballet dancer. The Norwegian guy was a ballet dancer. And so, you know, you think, well, he's not tough. I knew enough about sports. I had seen his legs and his body. He was walking around probably a natural 210 pounds. And that's not for me, not even lifting weights, maybe even six, four big, and my, this guy who was like, like an me, intro to acting class, by the way, is like, yeah, and we, very basic. Yeah, we, yes. And we did a scene and you do these scenes and then the scenes would get heated and we were young idiot 
actors. We didn't know where to take it. And this guy who, you know, let's just say this, this guy who shouldn't have been an actor got pushy and physical in the scene. And um, I, I, they, a sort of a struggle ensued because the other guy who was the ballet dancer was saying, you have to calm down. You need to come and, and essentially come. And then the other guy got escalated. It actually it turned into a bit of a fight. And the ballet dancer just grabbed him, picked him up, threw him on the ground and got on top of him and held him there. <laughs> and this guy had never been held down against his will by another man. And at, if this, never at this that, point, at this point, what is everybody in the class doing? Because like it's supposed well, to be a scene, right? Everybody was kind of like, everybody was kind of, there was a little cloud over everybody's heads going, yay! Because this guy was just a little too cocky. Right. And, and, and what, what I knew, so what happened was this, this guy held him down until he stopped struggling. And what happened to the guy who was being held down is he broke down. He started to cry. Wow. Yeah. And it was a very... It was a very big, and I was very sensitive to it, you know, because I, I, I felt so bad for him because there are a lot of men, he was one of them, and not his fault, but a lot of men walking around with a false sense of security. They don't realize that, yeah, you might think you're tough. You might have played high school football, whatever it is. And what you don't realize is there are guys out there, and they could be the guy, it could be the UPS guy. could be just some dude. And there are plenty of them. That can do that to you. They can do that to you. And I, I, I really think that at the end of the day, what he realized, and it's a terrible thing, is that, that he, when you're held down like that, you realize two things. One, there are men that can kill you with their bare hands. And two, and even more horrifying, there are men that can fuck you if they want. <laughs> and, 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 and that's really what it comes down to. And in fact, my acting teacher, who was a big gay man and a wonderful man, said, um, let's call the guy. He said, John, what happened here? And the guy was crying. He said, besides the fact that you just got, almost got fucked. <laughs> and, and it was an important thing to say because we had, you know, in acting class, you have to break through that stuff. You got to right. break through it. You got to right. make a joke about it. You got to cry about it. You got to, you got to realize you're vulnerable. An actor needs to feel that. That was the best thing to happen. If you want to make a breakthrough as an actor, that's not a bad thing. It's not right. a bad thing to realize that you're vulnerable. It's a very important thing. Right. So that you throw all that macho shit because those muscles in acting, they don't they don't count here. That's right, not right. that kung fu is no good here. Yeah. You need to be the guy to be. You need as an actor to be held down and cry. That, yeah. that that's actually your friend. So it was a big breakthrough for him. But I but I remember just at two watching this young man realize, fuck, <laughs> I'm not safe. Right. And and women walk around like that all the time. Right. You know what I mean? And sure, but, but so the men and yeah. they just don't realize it because yeah. we're not, we don't live in those caveman days anymore. Oh my gosh. Yeah, that's such a funny story. I remember you telling that, uh, I think on your podcast, the fighter and the kid. And I, I just couldn't believe that because it's, it's crazy because you look at guys, I always fear the quiet ones, guys that don't oh, yeah. say a lot and, oh, uh, yeah. but are still <laughs> in the too. same rooms are still in the same, like, you know, they're not afraid to be in a crowd and all that stuff, but they're quiet. And I found yeah. that I had, a, I had a buddy that I went to junior high with a story like this. He uh, was picking on the wrong kid and this kid didn't say much. Easy thing to talk, right? Easy thing to talk to him. Guy wouldn't say anything back, whatever. One time, this is before UFC, before it was cool to take jujitsu and all that stuff. Before that was like a trendy thing to do. Now I know it's obviously a huge discipline, but a lot more and more people do it. It's a lot more accessible, right? Um, this kid jumped in the air did a roundhouse in the air. He was an Asian kid that obviously was very well-trained and took a heel to my buddy's chin that then put him <laughs> on the ground as I'm standing watching this. Uh, the yeah. kid's name was Quan Tran. I will never forget it. Quan Tran. I go, Quan oh, Tran sounds Vietnamese or something, and you don't yes. want to fuck with Vietnamese people. They, they're tough people. Yes. So he jumps, does a roundhouse like, a, like it was like on a video game, my buddy who was, you know, kind of grew faster than everybody else was bigger than everybody in junior high fell to the ground and we're walking home and he shook. Like you could tell he's like, you know, hit the right nerve. He's at days. And I, yeah. all I could say was, dude, you got your fucking ass kicked. <laughs> that, that was <laughs> insane how that happened. But, uh, yeah, dude, it's, it's great. Yeah. It, you know, it's funny. It's just, it's so it's, it's funny. Unless you're trained like that or you're doing it as a sport, it's just so lame to walk around thinking, 
you can do really. Well, anything. here's the thing. Here's the other thing, though. Here's the other thing. Even if you're not, even if you are trained, and especially if you are trained, you still know that there are dudes out there that are more trained. Right. So, so and the other thing that's the other irony is you take a guy like Dustin Poirier, Conor McGregor, you know, these, these, these total studs, they're still 100, they still fight at 155. They still walk around at 170, And they know, they know that there are 70 pounders, 85 pounders, 205ers, heavyweights in the UFC that are low level, <clears throat> that are going to, that are going to, that can do that to them. Wow. I mean, you can say whatever you want. Brendan Schaub hasn't fought in 10 years or whatever in the UFC. You put Brendan in, in, in the ring against Dustin Poirier or Conor McGregor. It's not a good day for Dustin or Conor. I don't care in, on their best day. It's just, a, it's just a physics issue. Right. You're not doing anything against a 270 pound black belt in jujitsu who can punch like that. Yeah. You're not doing shit. Yeah. Go ahead and hit him. He'll just right. take your fucking shots, close distance, grab you and pull your head off your spine. And so, <laughs> it's pretty wild, man. So all that training, in a way, doesn't matter. It, it, you may as well be Brian Talent. I mean, it doesn't matter, right? right. I guess you can, you know, but it's, it, you're still going to be in a world of fucking shit. I thought and, this and is... Then, go ahead. Yeah. No, 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 that's all. It's just we're limited creatures as human beings. Well, it's funny. This happened to me. This has literally happened to me yesterday. And it's funny that we're talking today because I know you like stories like this and we've traded stories like this. I was walking out of a Shell gas station. Guy taps me on the shoulder I said, what's going on, man? He goes, do you remember me? I go, no. I go, I don't. And he goes, you don't? And I go, no, I d I'm sorry, man. I don't remember you. He has a beard and all this stuff. And he's, he's, he's I, don't, I don't know how, he's smaller than me. But anyway, he goes, you and I got in a brawl a year ago. At oh, shit. Such and such bar. And he goes, I just wanted to say, he was really cool. He's like, I just wanted to say that was a bad night for me. He goes, I go, where were we at? Because I was, you know drinking too much, take, you know, taking my, taking something out on someone I shouldn't have. But anyway, it was, it was about 10 of them and me and a buddy and oh, just, got, just got to popping off and whatever. And this is not me bragging about myself or anything like that. I knew I couldn't take all of them, but I'm going to get a couple of them type of thing. You know, he was one of the guys that I got. And so wow. he, he was, he goes, dude, I knew, you know, and being on the radio, he knew what I did for a living, which, which is pretty stupid on my part to represent myself like that in public. Yeah. But he said, I knew that you'd be a nice guy if I ever met you again. He goes, I knew that that was just a weird night for everybody involved. But it was so crazy because he, he apologized. And of course, I said, dude, I am so sorry. Like, he goes, I've never been shoved so hard in my life. <laughs> he goes, he goes, when you tackled me, he goes, I didn't know what happened. <laughs> That's what he said. I go, I promise you, dude, I didn't know what happened when I tackled you. I go, that was my only hope. I knew there was going to be eight more guys on top of me right after that. Well, but. you're, you're, you're a big guy, but you're also an athlete and there's a big difference. And you, you, you know, that's the other thing is you communicated with your body for so long. It's a very different thing. It's yeah. like Matt Mitrione's a buddy of mine. He fights in Bellator. He was heavyweight. I think he was a champion for a while. Matt played in the NFL for seven years and yeah. Matt is Matt played on the line. I think his defensive tackle or something. And he can, and he's got crazy speed and power, but you, you look at a guy like that. Oh my God. Yeah. Oh my God. He's going to do. And, and he, he, he used the best example of what it's like to be an athlete. He said, I can tell my body to do anything it wants. And I love that. Like, you right. know, and, and when you've been playing sports on a high level for, for that long, you got to steer clear of a guy like that. That's not a guy. Don't negotiate the physical spaces and the, and the, and the violent spaces with men. Yeah like that. It's just not so not worth it. Yeah. It's just so not worth what? it. And, and I, like I said, it was such a random encounter and it, we, you know, we totally broke down and it was all good. And I said, Hey man, that was a horrible night for me too. And I, you know, I apologize or whatever, but it was just so random. He goes, you don't remember me. And I thought it was going to escalate again. And oh, not, knowing, not knowing what it was, he was just like, you, you sure you don't remember me like that? And I, and then he kind of was cool, but I thought, Oh, Callan, I like this story for sure. <laughs> That's, I love it. I love that stuff. I love that stuff. It's so crazy. It's a, I, I just like the great equalizer. I like, I like, right. I like justice. I like fair play. Right. You know, I always say this about, you know, I'm not, I'm not, you know, I'm not, it's not that I'm a liberal. It's not that I'm, you know, I just like fair play. I don't like anybody getting advantage because they are, you know, there are more people on their side or because they have, uh, they're bigger and stronger. I, I like fair play. I like, I, I want to know if, if there's this guy who likes wearing a dress 
and, and identifies as a woman, whatever it might be, if he's good for the job or she's good for, you know, if you want me to call you a she and you're good for the job, then I want you on my team. I don't really right. care. It's more color, you know, right. it has nothing to do with being woke or anything else. It just, I don't like seeing anybody excluded because they're, they're, they're quote unquote weird or different. I like the weird and I like the different. Right. And so, so any kind of justice, I guess, fair play, any kind of, I think fair play would be described as sort of like, you know, like justice is you can define justice as everything in its place. And so when something's out of place, so, so somebody takes something that doesn't belong to them. Somebody doesn't keep their promise. Somebody, uh, somebody does something wantonly cruel to someone else who can't right. defend themselves. We have to put that back in place. Sure. Something has to be, something has to be made right. And I think every society in history has had a mechanism of some kind to not only monopolize violence on one side, but also to, uh, to restore, um, order after conflict. Right. Yeah. So I hear yeah, you that's, that. that's an important aspect. Absolutely. You know, man, I'll, I'll go to your comedy for a minute here. I, when I first saw you and, and then saw Man Class, uh, love that special. It's one of my favorite specials of all time. It's just, it's so, it's so different. It's not joke set up, joke set up, joke set up. It's, it's, it's self-deprecating at times. And yeah. it's also just a, a different angle, a, a different angle of comedy in a way where I know you're being, there's a lot of hyperbole. I know that's happening. That's comedy, I think, in general. But what you're doing with your body while you're talking, because you're obviously an educated guy, and way you're breaking down just common day situations, and either going over the top on it, maybe like you said earlier, pretending to be a tough guy or something like that. Yeah. Where did you find like that's my strength? Like that's where I can get the lane I can go down. Because if you think about like Rogan's a completely different comic than you, big time, and you got to be your own comic. Obviously, you don't want to. Yeah. You know, Gaffigan's a different guy. He's just real mellow up there. It's a girl go down the list. But how did you kind of find that, like what worked for you? I think it started with the fact that I've never watched other comics and I, and I never had, my heroes were never other comics. Okay. You know, so, so sometimes when you're influenced by other comics, you know, you, you tend to take on their flavor and stuff. So my heroes were never comics and I never watched comics. My heroes were actors, were dramatic actors and probably, um, I think authors, you know, I always was fascinated with how people could write. This blew my mind. I would watch a movie like Raging Bowler and I'd be like, how the fuck do you do that? Like, right. so, so part of it was that I was, I, so that, that, that's the first thing. And the second thing was I had such a profound dissatisfaction, um, sort of a, a self, not a self-loathing. I always liked myself, but a, a, a dissatisfaction with myself. I didn't want to be, I didn't like the way I was built. I didn't like the way I, was, I looked. I didn't like the way I sounded. I didn't like the way I thought. I didn't like myself. And maybe in a healthy way, right? So, okay. so much of my comedy was really a fantasy of who I'd rather be. I want to be on a horse rearing up. I want to be a great warrior. I want to be uh, sexy. I want to be, you know, muscular. I want to be all these things. And uh, you know, I want to be a hero and, and, and I feel like a coward. I feel like, you know, I, 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 I think I always was, I hated the fact that I was probably the shop merchant who hid behind his shutters when the gunslinger came to town. I want to be the gunslinger. Right. That's very important to me. And, um, what a healthy way but, to deal you know, with that though, man. I mean, that's, that's a really course, healthy way to channel it. You had to, yeah. well, that's why you're the man. No, you had to express that in a way and you did it in a way that's not only good for you, but good for people, other people. The irony is that the, the, the guys I want to be love this shit, but they want yeah. to be around you when you're a funny guy. Right. And so, so in a way I always at least had the emotional intelligence to realize I was never that guy. Look, I could not, if you and I were tried out for the Navy SEALs and we, everything was equal, what would happen is, I would peter out because I can't deal with the cold. <laughs> I, I don't, I break down because I can't carry as much weight. All these things would happen. And, and my, something would break or I'd have, I'm just, and you just would be able to put more on cause you're just built differently and you got a short neck and you wouldn't be as cold. <laughs> well, all these things would happen. And so 
you know, you, you inherently know this, right? You know, I see it with my son. He's built the way I am. He's just a, he's a magician. He's funny. And he just like, he's, he looks like he's been, he's on strings, you know? Yeah. And that I, at least he's got a father who can help him navigate that. Cause I know that's a strength if you do, if you use it properly. So, um, yeah, maybe that's where it all came from. Yeah. I, I, I think. The way you depict your dad and your comedy of being this strong, you said, I think you've even said, I've never seen him smile in my life as a joke uh, yeah. or, or someone's always trying to rip him off type of thing. Is that pretty accurate of what, who he really is? Certainly it, it's accurate in my mind as a, when I was growing up, that was, that was what, you know, that was absolutely accurate in, in terms of how I saw this giant man. First of all, he's six, four and you know, just all, he was just a giant man. And it was, yeah. wow, I'm going to, let me plug my, I'm going to plug this in because I might lose. Uh, oh, so hold on for a second. Do it. I'll cut some commercials. Uh, Black Rifle Coffee, check it out. Today. No, I'm just kidding. I got nothing. Yeah. Want me to promote any of your sponsors on this? I can. Talking to Brian Callen, right now on the podcast, looking at his hotel room. Callen, this is super unprofessional. Unbelievable. What's that, buddy? This is this is very unprofessional. This is unbelievable. Sorry, buddy. I can't Sorry. Work, I can't work I gotta like keep this. my I gotta keep things going here, dude. I wanna I wanna make sure that we're good. No, so I don't absolutely. mess around. I know, I'm just messing with you. My 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 uh iPad is causing problems. All right, let's see. Now we got it. Now we're good too. Yeah, You're now rolling. we're rolling, bro. All I right. know. I think that's very interesting the way you, you, you know, you kind of contrast your dad in a lot of ways, but you, you kind of use that to your advantage going back to the things that you wanted to be. I think your dad's an example of that a little bit in certain ways. Very much so. He was, look, he was a Marine. He's six, four, he's 230 pounds, 40 pounds, 50 pounds. He's just a giant dude. He built like Frankenstein. He, he wasn't sensitive. That's the other thing. I heard Jerry Seinfeld say, I'm very sensitive. Like his clothing has to be just right. The air has to be just right. That's exactly how I am, dude. That's why I'm so specific about the cheese I eat, the wine I drink, and the coffee roast. I'm, I'm just everything I make fun of. I'm, I'm sensitive. I, I want people to like me. I have all these issues, you know, mm -hmm. that, that don't make me very heroic. They make me sensitive. Right. And, 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 you know, my dad was not that way. My dad didn't notice. He fucking, he didn't notice the coffee roast. He didn't <laughs> notice the temperature in the room. He, he was just all man. Like he, he, he was a big hairy fuck who would like, you know, you can watching him just, he'd, he'd towel off probably and just chuck the towel. I remember as this woman said, I love the way a man handles a towel. I don't know what that means, but I, I, I don't get either. It. <laughs> yeah. I get it. Just probably, you know, and yeah. it just, you know, there's something. One time I, there was a girl I was dating and I took a pill. She gave me a pill or something and I took it and she goes, did you just swallow that without water? And I was like, you know, cause I am a little bit rough, you know, I'm not, it's not like I'm, I'm I have, and, and she goes, that's so sexy, you know? <laughs> well, all right. You know, that, that, that would be an example. My, my dad's that way all the time with everything, you know, right, that, right, that's right. a manly thing, right? I you know, yeah. there's no emotional, you don't need fucking therapy. You don't need, you just, you just suck it up, rub dirt on it and walk it off. Exactly. Idea, right. I, I had, now I, I don't know if any of that's true. And I don't know if any of us get away from that. I know too many Navy SEALs and people who've been through war who are not doing well, who are, are mm. you know, we, we are, again, it goes back to the fact that maybe there's no such thing as a tough guy. Right. Maybe all these things about masculinity have a heavy price to them. Right. Absolutely. So. You know, we talked about, you know, we kind of went down the tangent there, but we also talked about, you know, your unique, um, style of comedy. I have to ask you about a guy that I'm very intrigued and I think you are too. Seem like he blasts on the scene, Theo Vaughn. He's yeah. a guy that I feel like you almost don't understand him, and that's a beautiful thing. Yeah, with him. And he's a, he's a he's a true original. He really is a true original, and I, I think anybody who can riff just by himself on a podcast is pretty amazing. And he can, and the words and the phrasing that come to his head. I mean, when you look at that comedian to comedian, how do you evaluate him? How would you describe him to somebody else? 
uh, you know, you said true original. And what the hell is going on in that kid's head is what I want to know. Theo, Theo is, is an, and I say this to him all the time, he's remarkable. He's beautiful. And the reason he's a beautiful creature is because, it, you know, Theo had a very old father. And he had, uh, I think his father was 80 when he had him or something crazy. He said something like that, yeah. And his mother sort of um, emancipated him at 14. His mother said, you're on your own. Now, that has a great deal of psychological effect on someone. You're alone. You're an orphan. You're essentially an orphan. So a lot of kids will get very self-destructive with that. And this, this guy learned how to take that pain, that isolation, and all the things that come with being an orphan, if you will, and turn it into something just amazing. And it comes from self-discipline. It comes from having the imagination to want more. Uh, it doesn't come with self-love. It still comes with baggage you have to deal with all the time. <clears throat> there is a price to pay for all of it, just like with anything. Um, but... Thank God for people like Theo Vaughn and thank exactly. God for childhood trauma. Mm. It, a lot of times it makes you, uh, a lot of times that self-hatred turns into something gorgeous. And his comedy is just, even the way he speaks, I mean, everything about that dude is just like, I think one time he said, man, you sound like you're, <clears throat> you're hiding behind a curtain in a castle. You know, you're like, what? <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> well, he's talking, about, I, I think I saw one of his clips that he was talking about. He, he's now in Nashville. Uh, part of the time, I think, and he he had some intern or whatever. This uh, this kid is uh, his name's Riley Mao. Have you seen clips of this kid? He's like no. an engineer. Yeah, the kid tells him that he has never masturbated before, and Theo loses it. He goes, "Really?" He goes, "How do you do it?" You know, and I don't want to take all his jokes. You got to watch this clip; it's hilarious. I'll send it to you. But he uh, he talks about. It. He goes, and he finally gets done asking him and interviewing about him. He goes, "Man, the unjackable Riley Mao." <laughs> it was like, what? Like, it just, That's what I, yeah, I don't so know. Great. I know he's incredible. He's, he really is. It's like the, one of those guys where you're just like, God damn, dude. Yeah. Yeah. He, I, sometimes you just, it's the, the joy of being, of sort of being a spectator sometimes, no longer a performer. Sometimes you can just sit back and go, damn, that, that dude is unique. He's, he's just one of those very rare individuals. I see a lot of comics and I see their specials and I'm not laughing mm. and they're great. But that dude kills me. Yeah, he's absolutely He, Sebastian Escalco, very few yeah. people. Sebastian's very, very good too. Um, let's talk about Mad TV, original cast member on Mad TV. That comes your way. Are you thinking, okay, we got the next Saturday Night Live here? Or how, are you, how do you take that job? On? I don't know. I've always, I've, never, I've always known from day one I was never going to be super mainstream or famous. <laughs> <laughs> if there was that sketch show I was going to be on, I was going to be on a show that kept its audience steady for 14 years you know that, that, it's i don't know uh yeah i, I i've always I, I always um was on the show that nobody was watching but the, they were always watching the other show over there you know so i don't know i i don't know what if, i, I mean it, was, it must feel like a break though when you got that right yeah it was huge it was huge i just knew at least i was always gonna be able to say i, I made it on tv but there's certain things about life by the time i was 50 i remember i, I drew a line through everything I, I set out to accomplish my own tv show podcast um you know headliner all that yeah. stuff you know and I, you kind of go like that and what happened was i i got i i kind of was like wow I'm, i was making real money and i was coming into my own and you kind of get relaxed you, you kind of relax, which yeah. is not necessarily good for comedy mm. or good for your expression. And then Armageddon hit, you know, um, this past year has been really dark and it's forced me to kind of have to reinvent myself and figure out different ways I can, you know, and that's chaos. You never expect something like that to happen. You never expect everything you've worked for to go away in one day. And, and it, it, it's just, it's like getting hit by a straight bullet. You know, you're kind of yeah. like, what? The only thing I had going for me was knowing who I am and knowing the truth and keying into that. But it doesn't matter. Sometimes, you know, we all face, we all face chaos. We all face loss. We all do, man. And, and it can be terrible. It can be kind of bad. It can be whatever it is. And the real question is, who the fuck are you then? Yeah. Who are you? Like, I love Teddy Atlas's uh, thing on Rogan when he was talking about, you're not a fighter until you see a dude across the way 
who figured out your whole game plan and doesn't give a shit how hard you hit, doesn't care who you beat in the past. You got to make him a believer. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not a doctor until a kid is bleeding out of every orifice and you, there's nothing in the textbook that can tell you how to save this kid and you right. do it anyway. You're not a lawyer until, you know, they hit you with a bunch of evidence you didn't expect. And now you got to find your way through. And you're probably not a coach. You're probably not a great football coach until you realize that, that they have your whole game plan over there. And there's, you know, four minutes left and you got to figure out a way to get the ball to the end zone. And you do. That's when you're a coach, when you just came up with something. Like, so a lot of times I think you're, you, you, you can, you can study the playbook and you can follow all the rules and you can learn how to paint by numbers in a really good way. But you ain't, you ain't an adult. You ain't a complete human being. And you sure as hell ain't what you define yourself as until they take all that stuff away from you and you got to figure it out on your own because you are on your own. There are times in your life, please understand, where, where it is just you and the dragon. Right. And that dragon could be a dude with a gun on the street, a dude with a knife on the street. It could be a disease they don't have a cure for. It could be, it could be an injury that renders you useless physically. It can be a lot of things. And it can be, it can come in the form of public accusations that take everything away from you. It can be anything, man. And it doesn't matter what it is. Who the fuck are you now? Yeah. You know, and, and I think um, that's where you are, that you will define, you know, you want to be a tough guy? Okay. This is what, you know, can you be, when you don't feel funny, can you be funny? Right. When you don't feel generous, can you be generous? When you don't feel like being a gentleman, can you be a gentleman? Yeah. This is what, this is what character is. Character is defined as self-control, right? Yeah. And, and so those are all the things that um, I, I have been meditating on a great deal. And, and, I, and it, for lack of a better thing, I think sometimes the gift is it makes you more spiritual. And I'll define what I mean by that. And people use this word a lot. I'm spiritual. Well, sometimes I think a good way to define spirituality for me, or maybe the difference between your essence, your soul, and everything else, is that you learn to start to make some space between your mental life, your mental existence, and your physical existence, between you and who you are physically, your physical sensations, and you and your thoughts, you and your memory. Who are you are when you look at three in the morning when you're looking at yourself in the mirror, who you are then? Yes, yes, but, but, but even then, you know, there, there's, there's um, you know, you're, you're more than just your thoughts. Mm. You're more than just your memories. You just are. That's, that is, your thoughts are sort of like, so you're, you're just think of yourself as an empty room. Okay. And if, and, and, and there are thoughts come into that empty room and then they leave that empty room. But when there are no thoughts there and it's just you, you see, okay. Like you're, you're, you're also a cloud of sensation, aren't you? Physically, you're a cloud of sensation. Think about it right now. If you feel yourself, you can feel that your hands are tingling, your feet are tingling. You, you have, you have agency over your body. You can feel your body. There's a, there's a physical sensation there. You might have a headache and there's pressure and all that, but at the end of the day, you're a physical body. But you know, there are times when you are, you forget about all that stuff. You, 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 you forget that you need sleep. You forget that you need to eat. You forget that you, you want to have sex. And those times, a lot of times are when you hear a song that really moves you or you, you look at somebody and you love them so much that there's something about that connection or, or you're, you, you, you're watching a great piece of art or you're seeing something that kind of, I don't know, puts you in an arrested development. It puts you in, you, you, you feel like you're in higher relief. You, you kind of feel like, oh, this might be what people are talking about when they talk about God. Or this might be what people are talking about when they're talking about something beyond this realm of existence. Right. I don't know, man, I'm getting, I'm getting kind of deep, but sometimes that, that can be a very important thing to help you to navigate disaster. Well, I mean, this, this year has been a perfect example of that for me. I know. I mean, I just, when we've talked about this, you know, other things that gone on that I won't get into right here, but just, um, you know, in my own life, 
having trying to do what I like when I, and I'm, I think I've had success in what I do hosting a radio and show like that. But now when the budgets aren't there to do the things we used to be able to do, the concerts aren't there to have the connection with the artists and the audience, the events aren't there to be able to be like, Hey, let me put a face with a voice now. And that's, you know, that's a big thing for me is to be able to meet people in person and do all that. And you can't do it during a, uh, during a, um, during a pandemic. It's like, okay, so now how do I connect with somebody in the way that I used to? And it's really stretched me, but also at first it's really demoralizing. It's like, well, this is how I always have done something. And now I'm, now I'm, a, now my, you know, I, I'm cuffed. I can't do it. And that's been really hard for me to find inspiration. You know, we were talking on the phone. I've, I felt like I was in a creative fog for a year and doing stuff like this in the podcast and, um, you know, kind of getting back into even getting new headshots, man. Like just feeling like I'm doing something to invest in myself, to uh, get back into some TV things and whatnot has been the only way that I've been able, and then having that connection of there's something bigger than me here. You know, obviously the world cannot give you everything. It can take everything away from you very quickly. Can't give you everything. For me, that has been some real soul searching this year of, okay, now you got kicked in the nuts. How do you recover? Because life is still going on. You know, the next day is still coming. So how are you going to yeah. get back up? And I think you're right. It's like you really do figure out who you are. And you give the example of who you are as a doctor, who you are as a lawyer and all that stuff starts getting dumped on your plate and you weren't ready for it because we get hypnotized by our routine and how we've always done it. I mean, this year has been a perfect example for that. And God, you know, thank God I've had my health and I know people have gotten hit a lot harder than I have, but Holy crap, man. I mean, just, just having to do oh, yeah. surgery, that's tough. Yeah, it's tough. Yeah. So, it's really tough, but it's supposed to be. Right. It's kind of where you find out who you are. Right. Well, yeah. and if it's, and if it's worthwhile, it's going to be tough too, you know? Battle tested, man. Yeah, battle absolutely. tested. When I'm in my rocking chair, I want to. I want to have been battle tested. I want some scars. I want scar tissue. Yeah. Let's talk about um, Brian Cowan as the actor. Okay. Very. Oh, okay. Yeah. Very funny. Um, and that's right, everyone. I'm a thespian. I can do all kinds of accents. He was in acting classes where fights were breaking out for crying out loud. So uh, he, yeah. he's yeah. done all the high profile stuff. No, as a comedian going into an acting role. Um, does a director or someone, uh, who's, you know, a director or a script, do they approach you differently? Like, Hey, this guy knows how to be funny. This role is going to be yeah, let's, typically let's you're hired because I think you're tired actually, because they want you to bring something else to the role, not just what's on the, on the page. A lot of times I've never had a director worth their salt that didn't allow us to improvise. Yeah. Whether it was the hangover or whether it yeah, was I want to talk about the hangover. Tell yeah, me about the hangover. How, how, does, how does that, like, did they just say, hey, we're going to do this in the Little White Chapel? Do you? Yeah, well, he was written as a guy from New York. I turned him into a guy from Lebanon. So, you know, that, that, that was always, Todd Phillips is such a great director because he allows, he keeps everybody in the same movie, but he allows the actors to bring to the table what they will. That's why he likes comedians a lot. He likes improv, you know. So he wants you to surprise him. And I right. think a lot of times what's, what's important about being an actor is when you show up, with a character that the writer and director didn't expect. And you kind of throw them off. Like this new Cinderella is hilarious. The fairy godmother is this very gay black man. And he's in a dress and it's like, you know, it cracked me up. Cause I was like, that's a bold move. That's a gutsy move. I know there's this whole <clears throat> trans agenda and this gender right. agenda, but <clears throat> I don't really care because it works and it's funny. And it's, it's, it's actually, it's hilarious. And he's probably super talented. And I saw a little bit of, I was like, this motherfucker's great. Right. And I love the, I love that the, the studio was like, what if he was a dude in a, you know, in a yeah. dress and really gay? Well, all right, great. It's hilarious. If it works great, you know, yeah. maybe people object to it on all kinds of grounds, but that's kind of what art does. Art fucks with people a little bit. Yeah. It's great. And yeah. I so, yeah. So, um, you know, so that, that's kind of, that, I think that the, 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 when you look like you're a regular guy like myself and you walk into a room, you got to come with something different. You got to surprise them. You got to surprise them. Right. You got to come up with a character that they, where they're like, oh, wow, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. So. You know, when you're acting across, but, but when you're acting, you know, if, you know, like Todd Phillips, you said he, he totally welcomes that. But when you're acting across from a guy that doesn't take that approach, who is more of a you know, whatever you want to call it, actor's actor, a more serious actor, a more intense. How do they, when they read it on a script and you come with something different, is that, how I do they, how do they react? I, 
I just can't think of any, I'm sorry, I'm going to say this out loud, but I can't think of anything more boring, honestly, than being in a Steven Spielberg, uh, uh, you know, sort of uh, historical epic piece where I have to be in character in a top hat and everybody's acting very heavy, you know, with, with like, I love Daniel Day-Lewis, but being in a movie with that guy would probably be the most boring thing on the fucking planet. I don't want to be in character all day. I don't want to be taking all these scenes really seriously and having like these dramatic moments in my top hat and my, you know, I, I just don't give a fuck about that stuff. Like I don't like acting. I, it's, I sometimes I find it to be the most absurd, like I'm a tool and in, 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 it's just an absurd profession. Let's be honest. Acting is absurd and it's, it's important. It's great. It's hard, but I just, I, I'm not proud of the fact that I spent that much time trying to be an actor. And I bet you, and Daniel Day-Lewis and Christian Bale aren't either, which is probably why they're so amazing. Christian Bale was like, I wear makeup and make believe. That's why I have to lose all this weight and make it really hard for myself because I feel more manly. You know, D Daniel Day-Lewis said, who cares what my, my process is? doesn't matter if I, stick, if I stick a bunch of flowers in my jacket and do cartwheels. The bottom line is <clears throat> I'm an actor and I do all this stuff. <clears throat> I wear other clothes. I speak words that other people put in my mouth. And I spend three months pretending to be somebody else because I'm essentially a boring middle-class Englishman. <laughs> it's fucking I mean, great yeah. <clears throat> so i don't give a shit about acting i you know i used to and I, I never did and the truth is i probably never liked it never been on a set where i didn't want it to be over so you know it's like eating salad have you ever eaten a salad where you didn't want to be open? like i don't go to a restaurant for the fucking salad i eat salad i power through fucking lettuce and leaves because i guess it's going to make me live longer and keep cancer at bay at the end of the day i'm a coward because i eat salad i should live, live on chocolate cheese and and meat and die die young who the fuck <laughs> off you know? that's what a hero does a hero doesn't eat roughage but even yeah, when you're messing around like there's like a i mean even when you're messing around like a you know you think about a, like a bradley cooper like obviously he has a sense of humor i mean but you still probably caught him off guard a little bit coming the way you did right in, in the hangover yeah bradley's hilarious bradley's fucking bradley loves to laugh and he's a silly goose actually but bradley loves acting Oh my God, does he love acting. He loves the minutia. He loves the details. He loves the hard work. He loves waking up at fucking four in the morning. He loves directing. He's, he's, that's why he's so great at what he does. He's going to be Clint Eastwood. You know, that, that, the, good for him, man. I mean, good for him. I just couldn't do it. That's right. why he's, he's who he is. And I'm, I'm this guy that I have to, I have to tell people who they, where they know me from. And it's just the truth. So, you know, I, I don't know. Not in the, not in the cards for me. Right. Um, he, he's got something, you know, the, the reason that I, I feel good about myself is I think as a comic, I've done some really great things and that's just what I believe. <laughs> it doesn't yeah. matter what you have, man. But I think Absolutely. I'm really funny and I think I'm really good at what I do. That's all. That's the only thing that I ever wanted to do. I never wanted to be truthfully. I was never going to be a great actor because I don't like it. I don't like the process. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't, I have ADHD. I mean, that guy can, Cooper can just fucking concentrate and, and, and he's so disciplined, man. I'm not, right. I'm not like that. He's disciplined even with the people he brings into his life. I got misfits for friends. Right. The women I used to, everybody, I, I like misfits. I like, I like broken and crazy. Yeah. When, when you're super good at what you do and you're ambitious and, and you're all buttoned down, I'm already bored with you. And it's like, all right, everybody's so successful. You want to bore me? Put me on a boat with a bunch of super successful people that are really disciplined that go to bed on time and wake up early. Yeah. Ah, fuck off. Well, we just had like Derek Jeter get inducted to the Hall of Fame. And he talks about like, you know, taking a thousand ground balls and hitting a thousand pitches a day. And I go, yeah, I didn't do any of that. That was, there was it. no way that I was going to do that. And that's why. Tiger Woods. Yeah. Tiger Woods was, was super boring. He would wake up like he'd, he'd wake up at five in the morning. Same thing. He was a monk. That, that's like a samurai. It's like the Book of Five Rings. If you ever read uh, Miyamoto Masashi's book, The Book of Five Rings, that dude was, he would train, you know, you, you're training every day and living your life where nothing else matters, where, where even like having no sense of good food or even like worrying about whether you're going to die. Those are, those are things that are awesome if you want to be a samurai, if you want to be an incredible baseball player, if you want to... I don't know if they necessarily, and maybe they do lend themselves to great art. I shouldn't say that. Maybe Michelangelo was that way. I don't know. But I don't think that helps with comedy. Yeah. I'm a comedian. And comedians have to be, have to 
have to just, there's gotta be, you gotta be a bit of a misfit. You gotta, right. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. You I figured think, it out, man. You figured it out. You figured it out. You're making a career out of it. Are you kidding me right now? It's, I think you, what you're called an art form because it is. I mean, being a comedian has got to be one of the hardest things ever to do. I mean, that's... It never get, gets easy. Get yourself on stage just, just, just to get up there. I mean, you know, think yeah. about people, all the people that say, and I'm sure you've heard it and it's annoying. All people say, oh, yeah, people think I would be funny if I did this. Oh, yeah? Cool. Go stand in front of a crowd who are saying... Yeah. Make me laugh. I'm not going to give yeah. you anything. It's on you. And I'll let you know if you're good or not. Right. Yeah. I mean, shit. I agree. That, would, that would scare the hell out of me. I think so. You know, I mean, I, I get it. And, and that's right. So, you know, at the end of the day, I'm proud of what I've done and proud of what I've written. So I die tomorrow. I mean, at least my kids have some stuff they can see. It's like, dad did that. So, yeah, I don't know. Awesome, I mean, I, I think about me is, you know, I, I can talk. I've hosted concerts and festivals where, there's 70,000 people out there, but it's not, it's me to fire them up to look at the stage for the real act that's coming up. Not for me to just, you know, entertain them. So I'm trying, I'm a hype man, you know, but then to hold somebody like you guys do the comedians I'm talking about hold people for an hour and a half or whatever it is. That's fucking amazing. It's amazing. Well, it's, you've got to always kind of reinvent yourself though, whether you're Bill Burr or anybody, I know all the best in the world and I've seen them, you know, I've seen them, when they're, when they're at the boiling point and everything's clicking and then I've seen them throw it all out and have to start all over again and it never gets easy. You, yeah. You're still, you're still not that funny in the beginning. You know, right. you're still kind of like trying to come up with something different. So, um, yeah, that, I love that challenge. Like I, I literally thinking about that after we're done here, I'm going to, I'm going to go for a walk and write. Right. You know, it's good to know you're thinking about me after this. It'd be great. Always, always buddy. Hey, um, um I've got to, I've got to go. Um, I'm going to let you go. go I'm going to let you go. Stuff right now. You got but, a hard uh, out. I was told by your agent, you have a hard out. So, oh yeah. What's, yeah. what's the name of this podcast? JR off air. Cause I have my show on there. All right. Off air. See what I'm saying? All right. I'll get, once I get yeah, it up man. and launch it, man, I know people were stoked that I was going to be talking to you. You've always been a really good dude to me. So I appreciate your time. This is really cool. You're doing this. And, uh, uh, but you're my friend. You're yeah. my friend. You're the you're man. Not just some guy. I know you're a buddy of mine. Absolutely. So I'm, I'm always happy to do that shit. Come on. Well, yeah. I will see you soon. You know, if you're anytime you're close to me, uh, I'm coming to the show for sure. I, I will. I'm Florida is one of my favorite states. Know that. So yeah. Well, I come to Tampa. I mean, you, you saw what happened to Rogan, but he's doing all right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know, dude. The old talk COVID about a guy, guy that, baby. Talk about a freaking guy that just said, "Yeah, I'm, I'll figure it out." Okay, cool. Yeah. With the beats and yeah, He's always been that way. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. All right, brother. Be well. Punch COVID a, in the face. I know. Be all well, right. and uh, I'll see you soon. You're the best. I'll see you later, pal. Later, buddy. See you.